0: As always, should you avoid the excellent guidance you're about to receive, you'll be disavowed. Also, this message will self-destruct in three seconds. Three, two, one. Welcome to another edition of Your Financial Mission. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Janine Theus, the CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors. We call her your financial commander here on Your Financial Mission. And uh, you can find her online at any time, TheusWealthAdvisors.com. So our topic of conversation on the podcast today is a good one, a helpful one. A couple of weeks ago, we did a podcast about the tax code Proposals that have been floating around there. We've been getting more and more information. On the tax code proposals from the government. We try to put some of that in context for you, draw some of the differences between the different proposed plans, how all of that was shaking out, what was still left to be decided. Since the recording of that podcast, there's been a little bit more information that's come out. There's been a few more changes as well. But I would still encourage you to go back and listen to that podcast, maybe even before you tune in to this one. Wouldn't be a bad idea, at least, to listen to that one, get a little bit more context for our conversation. Today, but it's not like one of those movies, Janine, where you have to see part one. In order to, you know, get part two. So if you don't want to go back and listen to part one, that's okay. You're still going to kind of understand what's going on in our podcast today. So it's like one of those sequels that they make where you just can pick right up inside of it. You don't have to see the previous movies to be excited and get what's going on. So our conversation today is is twofold. It's still on taxes. It's going to be kind of going back to that conversation of the tax code proposals that have come out, but also in context of how it all fits into this happy stock market. Why is the stock market so happy? Why has it been going up so much? Is there a relationship there between the tax proposal that's come out as well? Janine, break it all down for us. What's the connection here? Why is the stock market so happy? You know more information now about the proposals. Has it changed your opinions on anything on that front?
1: No. Well, there are a couple things that are really, really interesting that are coming up. There are three basic takeaways the proposed plan would vastly simplify the tax code eliminating a host of unnecessary and inefficient provisions designed to benefit special interests and everybody's on board with that the proposed plan would also drastically lower tax rates for corporations and small businesses and lower to moderate income families and individuals and we'll get into a little more detail on that specific plan because there is a lot of misinformation chuck schumer came out and said you know, Senator Chuck Schumer came out and said it's completely focused on the wealthy and the powerful and not the middle class. You know, that's not an accurate assessment at all of what's happening. And mm. my question to everybody when you hear this, who do you think the middle class is? Because if you notice, nobody ever defines that. So we're going to look at that too. And the third thing is the combination of business tax reforms that are being proposed would would provide a huge boost to to the U.S. economy and its workers. So I I constantly remind folks, the markets are forward-looking, and what they're seeing are these tax reforms in play that would allow huge growth in business opportunity. Now, if you all remember, you have stocks and bonds. These are in companies. We want companies to experience growth because that goes right to the bottom of our bottom line. And so it's really important to understand how these things are connected. This is not a prediction because we still don't know what's really going to happen, especially in the markets. But these things are connected in that if you take the shackles off of the growth of business, that affects your money.
0: So if let me play sort of, I guess, Janine here as we kind of take all of this into account. Um, I don't know if this is devil's advocate or if I can play a cynic for a moment or maybe just an uneducated investor, but I'll play one of those roles. I'm looking at it and saying, all right, we've had incredible growth, incredible growth over the last several years. It has to pop at some point. The bubble has to burst. The The incredible growth has to stop at some point, point. and even if the tax code proposals are beneficial to business— at some point, I'm really nervous because I, I just feel like there's no more room for growth. I feel like there's we've already hit that ceiling. How can we continue to keep going up? I'm getting really nervous and, and kind of shaking in my boots over here, thinking I I just don't see a whole lot more room for growth, and therefore, I don't know if I want to be in the market. I realize I'm breaking all sorts of rules here, like market timing and just the, maybe my cynicism is bad. What, what do you say to the person that has that kind of opinion?
1: Well, a lot of people feel a little bit like that because when you go onto sites like like Market Watch, there are three or four different articles that say exactly that. Oh, the market's going to burst. Here are the three stocks that are going to cause the market to do this. That or the other thing. We don't have a situation as we did leading up to 2008 or even 2001 and two. You know, the market's been on a stranglehold, even though it has gone up because you've got an increase in technologies and and there's money in the market. You know, we've kind of had a stranglehold hold in terms of where the growth happens and what monies can come back into the country, and the the ability to grow and create more jobs. Once you take these shackles off and allow businesses to reinvest in the business, create job growth, it's counterintuitive that if you lower taxes, this will all happen. But we've seen it happen historically several times, and it does have an effect on what the market is. Now, We know the market's not linear, but this year it has looked incredibly linear. (laughs) Mm. I think we're at 57 different new highs. So, yeah, we might have a pullback in the market as things shift around. But generally speaking, if there is gross domestic product, GDP growth, you're going to see a growth in the market. Those two are connected. And we haven't had any GDP growth for the last eight years to really speak of our norm is about three to 4% under good circumstances. We had very little in the previous years. So now we're all of a sudden getting it and that the market is reflecting that.
0: So before we started our podcast today, Janine was mentioning you know, one key conversation in this tax code proposal conversation. One of the really important things to think about is the middle class. And whenever you talk politics and finances, the middle class always ends up getting a lot of the focus. But Janine, it seems harder and harder these days to define what exactly is the middle class <laughs> you did some more research some more digging and i know you've got a lot of opinions on on that subject
1: well the numbers when you look at the numbers you're talking middle class is anywhere from about 50,000 the median income in the united states is about $50,000 so if you're married filing jointly it could be 100,000 it could be 75,000 so you're talking anywhere from 50,000 to roughly 110,000 that's the middle class married filing jointly in the United States, the tax proposals that are coming out or what's going to happen is you're going to simplify the brackets. We've had seven different brackets ranging from 10%, you know, to 39.6%. So they're going to take those seven, shrink them to four. So then you'll have 12%, 25%, 35%, and 39%. So there's a little bit widening of the bracket so that you're collecting you know, more, I guess, you know, from the taxpayers, but the difference that you are going to experience is the doubling of the standard deduction. So if somebody making $50,000 filing jointly, I mean, they are at the bottom end of the middle class, but they're going to have $24,000 taken right off the top of their gross income. So they're going to pay considerably less tax that way. So you're going to face lower marginal tax rates, which will help encourage more, you know, more putting money back into the taxpayers' pockets more productivity. So, unfortunately, the plan is still in and some people will say, "Well, yay! We're going to tax the rich still." We're, you know, because they're going to they're talking about maintaining that top marginal bracket, which if you make over $250,000, you get a surcharge and that's the Obamacare surcharge of 3.8 on top of the 39.6. So, now you're at for almost 44% of the income being taxed. That actually does affect lower to middle class earners, believe it or not. You only have about one of every 250 taxpayers that pay that top rate, but more than one of every $5 of taxable income is subject to that tax rate. So that means a lot of economic activity is affected by the top rate and lowering it could have a significant impact on investment and productivity, incomes, and job growth. So things don't operate in a vacuum. And when you do that, you know, we we all pay regardless is the point. So discriminating against one group does not always work. But more people from the under $100,000 amount are going to see a significant benefit by this tax.
0: Do you, not to get into a conversation of what's fair and not fair, but maybe accuracy, maybe we can frame it in that perspective. Do you think that you know, what you would consider the middle class is accurately reflected by the, the brackets and, and the different dollar amounts that they hit?
1: Yeah, but the way they're changing it, especially with the doubling of the standard deduction, folks that do make under $100,000 are going to see a significant drop in taxes. Those that make over $250,000 are not going to see as, as big a bracket. And it's really going to be the more, those that are way over two hundred fifty. But those under 200000 I believe is what they're saying, so for example you're talking about when you add on the standard deduction so you double the standard deduction which is now 12,700 that means that the first 57,000 of an individual's earnings are taxed at no more than 12%. So married couples that previously faced marginal rates of 10 up to the first 19,000 of income or you know 15% up to 76 would now only face a 12% rate up to the first 90,000. So that's going to be a big deal for a lot of the country. In our area here, Maryland, you know, the D.C. area, New York, from New York to D.C., I mean, the whole East Coast, we're kind of living in a different world in terms of median salary versus the whole rest of the country until you get to the left coast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> but for folks on, that make, combine under $100,000, the tax cut's going to be pretty significant. And so that deduction's going to work, plus the changing of the brackets, it's going to be pretty significant for a lot of people. On the upper end, the new 35% bracket kicks in much sooner than it did before. So currently the 35% bracket begins at 417,000 for both single and married under the new plan, the 35 percent bracket kicks in at 200,000 for individuals and 260,000 for married couples. So, you know, it's going to be an impact on that end.
0: So it seems like you know one of the one of the other big things that uh, was in doubt, I think, when we recorded our first podcast, that has now changed. The 401k issue that was resolved, and there's not going to be any. Uh, any changes to 401k contributions and that kind of thing. And I'm I'm sure, I'm assuming you view that as a very positive thing, right?
1: Well, you know, messing with the cap was really kind of a stupid idea. They put it in place and it's disingenuous to say, oh, we're all going to miss those taxes. They're going to get their taxes because you've got a huge range of people that are retiring and going to are going to start drawing from that anyway in the next 10 years or so. So I think it's very disingenuous, and I was glad to see that they're going to leave it alone. Now, the other side of that coin is taxes come due at some point in time, so stashing all the money into qualified plan may not be a good strategy, but that that's kind of a different conversation when you're talking about strategizing tax over time. But I'm, I'm glad to see they're not going to mess with that at all.
0: Well, and there's a big um, difference, Janine, between tax cuts and tax reform, it seems.
1: Yes, but what happens is the language is so convoluted or so <laughs> co opted in the media.
0: Yeah, yeah, it might all, it's it really might as hard. well all be confusing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's really hard to, unless you actually sit down and run through numbers, it's really hard to understand exactly what they're talking about. Because, you know, when the way budgets work in government, you know, you're typically the OPM budget, you're, typically looking five years ahead so there's a projected budget well if the congress says no we're not going to give you x amount of dollars when you were starting with you know x plus the pundits will come out and say oh that was a tax cut well it really wasn't we're just not going to give you the extra money you thought you were going to get so when they're looking at tax reform tax reform is actually changing the tax code and making it more or simplifying it actually, so that those who do not file the Schedule A, which is your deductions, can literally file this on a postcard. Although nobody's going <laughs> to, I, unless they figure out a really good way to do it, you're not going to file it on a postcard and let everybody see your Social Security number. They'll have to, <laughs> they'll have to come up with some way to to do that online that makes it easier. But that's what they're doing because the number of people that actually don't need to file. It's almost a 1040EZ. is huge. In fact, it's most of the returns. So that's what's going to be changing mm. as well.
0: Yeah, it's... Uh, they're
1: simplifying this.
0: Well, simplifying is good. That's a good first step, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. So you're looking at... Oh, the other thing that they're going to do is get rid of the marriage penalty, which is a positive step as well. So <laughs> At least that's what they're proposing, you know, subjecting less of married couples' incomes to the top rate you know so then we have the standard deduction now this is going to hurt folks in Maryland as one of the states that's going to be affected it's the elimination of the state and local tax deductions against federal income tax so that's going to hurt those in high tax states Maryland's not nearly as bad as New York and California they're going to get harder, hit hardest with that if they do this so it's um so what what happens here is by allowing those who itemize their taxes to deduct like even property taxes as well as income tax or sales tax they pay to state and local governments. These deductions shift the burden of high tax states onto low tax states. See, there's always more to this story than people tell you.
0: No kidding. Yeah. (laughs) The layers keep getting deeper and deeper here.
1: (laughs) Oh, the layers do keep getting deeper. Exactly. So there's seven states, California, New York, New Jersey, Illinois, Massachusetts, Maryland, and Connecticut that receive more than 50% of the value of their state and local tax deductions. So on net, the average millionaire receives 102 times as much benefit from the state and local tax deductions as the typical household that makes between 75 dollars and $100,000. So eliminating the sales and income tax deductions would, benefit, would be a huge benefit to at least 85% of Americans. So it's really interesting. I didn't even know, because I hadn't really delved into it before, that that was the Fallout of doing that type of state and income tax deduction. So obviously so curr- the de- it,
0: the details matter here. That's the that's the yeah. the bottom line. I've seen it kind of bracketed. I mean, sure you've seen some headlines that say this is a an incredible detriment to the middle class, and, you know, this is only a tax cut for the rich, and then you've seen others who have said this is the greatest thing that will ever happen to the middle class in existence. Obviously, you're going to have your extremes, but there was one synopsis that I saw that said, you know, in terms of the framework of all of this, okay, large corporate tax cuts are going to be, you know, beneficial to the top earners out there. The middle class will get some modest improvement and then if you're kind of in between that middle class and corporate level that's where you might be and see some slight increases or lose out on a couple of the benefits that other groups are getting and to me it sounds like that's relatively accurate from from what you've been describing and from your analysis and that state and local tax credit being just one example of how folks kind of in that middle range might not benefit as much from these changes?
1: Well, this is what's really interesting because people forget what effect small businesses have on our economy. So from the SBA, the Small Business Administration, they define a small business as an independent business having fewer than 500 employees. Well, that's a whole lot of businesses. Your, those are your mom and pop businesses, so yours, those are your franchises, etc., that are you know down the street, Dairy Queen, whatever. <laughs> so there are almost 30 million small businesses in America, and they are the engine of job creation. So some of this tax reform is changing to allow fewer taxes on small business owners because they create seven of every 10 new jobs, and they employ just over half the country's private sector workforce. It's almost uh, about 60 million people. So if they do that, and they've generated you know, 64% of new jobs in the last 15 years, if you put a lot of pressure onto these small businesses, they can't operate. So some of what the market is looking at is the removal of strangulating regulations and rules that keep businesses from operating or growing so you know small firms bear more of the regulatory cost than larger firms which most people would not know unless you ran a small business so it's really important that we get some tax reform that allows the small business to develop create jobs which then creates a growing economy people's wages go up. As a result of that, we really don't need to have a rule that says minimum wage is X or Y because it will happen automatically if you create that market. And then the market, the investment market, when you allow some of these things to grow, then you have more businesses that want to go public and that allows you to invest. So there's a huge connection here that not many people make. And the the media certainly doesn't make that connection for you.
0: No. Well, I mean, you know, it's, Uh, We should all know and realize, and if you don't already, that a lot of the media, and this is, you know, they will admit to this, is written so that a third grader can understand it. I'm not trying to even bash the media here. I'm just saying that it's meant to be consumed at a low level, so how can you take something as complicated as the tax code and all these moving parts and boil it down to, you know, a 45-second attention span that has to have fast moving pictures and easy enough for a third grader to understand, sometimes you just can't do it. And this is one of those topics that's really difficult to achieve unless you dive in a little bit deeper and just see how complex it gets.
1: Well, and and so the the bottom line for a lot of people is to understand that 70% of taxpayers do not itemize their deductions. And so they receive no benefit from state and local tax deductions or any of these other deductions. So the best thing for those people which for the most people part would be the middle class or retirees even is to simplify the brackets and the ex- what you're going to deduct or be allowed to deduct in terms of the standard deduction and so that's actually going to provide a huge boost in federal tax revenues it's counterintuitive but that's really how it works and so you're going to accommodate the plans lower marginal tax rates which will benefit all taxpayers so you know there there is going to be a cap on property tax deduction And and when you look at the stats that what they're doing is it it only affects those that have um, mortgages that are very, very large. So they'll keep, I think it's $500,000 in terms of the mortgage amount or under. But the cap is going to be $10,000 on property tax. So, you know, people might be upset about that. But, you know, in our area, depending on where you live, you're probably at that or under that. So some people will be able to, to continue the deduction. But all of these things That they're trying to do are going to free up capital and the folks that don't file the schedule a and do these deductions are the ones that are going to benefit from this so when the senators come out and say it's going to hurt the middle class it's completely not true it's going to benefit at least the current proposal is to benefit those that are in those categories which is the majority of america
0: well, it uh, gives us a lot to think about. I guess to put a bow on our conversation here, Janine, would it be uh, – is there anything else we haven't brought up that you think is worth mentioning for the moment? And then kind of final thought would be let's say I'm you know, preparing for retirement. I'm, I'm near that age and i'm seeing all these changes all these possibilities should i be pressing the pause button on making financial decisions right now until i see exactly how all this is going to shake out or you know is it okay to kind of continue on with with however i'm planning or pull the trigger on retirement i mean is there any reason for somebody to kind of have pause on you know doing rollovers and things like this until we see how it's all going to shake out
1: well not really because there's no real need to to start rethinking a retirement plan because of what they're doing with taxes And the reason is most folks that have saved in qualified plans, IRAs, 401ks, 403bs, et cetera, all of that money is going to come out ordinary income. And what happens typically, and this is what's really critical to remember, is when you get into retirement and you don't have very many deductions to begin with at that point, your biggest deduction is the standard deduction. And so what they're suggesting here is that Those that are getting into retirement, which may be stepping back from a very large salary, are going to be affected positively by this change because you're not going to have the deductions anyway. A lot of people have paid off their homes. The kids are not there. They don't have these other deductions. So they're going to have ordinary income coming out of qualified monies, and it's going to fall into the bracket, you know, stack on top of Social Security, et cetera, but it's going to fall into that bracket that's going to be at a lower level, low percentage. And that's part's critical. So, in terms of do you need to, you know, convert do Roth conversions? Maybe maybe not. Depends on how far away you are from, you know, going into retirement, but I wouldn't change anything in terms of strategy for investments or for retirement at this point because one we have no real effect on what they're doing. So, once they figure out what the tax reform is going to be, then we can respond accordingly. But it looks as though the folks that are going to be in between 75 to 140, 150 thousand dollars of income are going to be okay the way the proposal is is shaping up.
0: Well, things can still change. Again, we're recording this in uh, early November, so if you're listening to this in January or February and, you know, who knows what the situation may be then, just please keep that in mind. But, yeah, this is as of early November. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We feel like we've got a decent <laughs> grasp on things, but... That can always change, Um, and and we will be keeping an eye out to see what happens. Janine, this has been sort of part two of our conversation on the tax proposals, a little bit mixed in there with how that kind of impacts the stock market as well, but I'm sure we're going to have a part three coming down the pike.
1: Well, yeah, because when you start talking about what the tax effects are to businesses, how does that translate to portfolio? It doesn't change your portfolio construction at all. It's just it can affect where businesses find their best opportunities
0: Mm.
1: and so then that may or may not affect basically what the market does so obviously the market moves on news and right now the news is kind of up and down but they're liking what they're seeing in terms of all the rules and regulations that have been rescinded that allow growth in business and if the money that is outside the country comes back in and is repatriated we're going to see an explosion in job growth. So that's going to be pretty interesting.
0: In the midst of a lot of the bad news, maybe there is some, some good news to look forward to there for sure, and uh, at least something exactly. to keep your eye on, uh, that a lot will be changing and shifting and moving around, and we'll keep you up to date on it. As we like to say here on Your Financial Mission, we give you the straight skinny, and so... There you have it. Some of the straight skinny on the tax proposals and the stock market, kind of where we stand here in you know early to mid November right now, and uh, we'll see how things shift and uh, you know shape as we head toward the holidays, Janine. But thanks as always for the guidance. We appreciate it. Thank you. That's Janine Theus, your CEO and founder of Theus Wealth Advisors and your financial commander here on your financial mission. If you want to have a conversation about how your particular financial situation maybe fits into what's happening with the tax codes and the stock market and are you properly prepared for your financial future well it's easy to get in touch you can go to theus that's theaswealthadvisors.com. come say hello to janine in the office there in columbia in howard county or give her a call 443-718-6311 you speak with gracie set up a time to have a conversation is the number to call. Hope you enjoyed the podcast and we'll look forward to talking to you again next time on Your Financial Mission.